this was all circulating around the base that a giant had been killed, but no one was supposed to talk about it. I saw three long bony fingers reach up underneath the door, curl up to grab it, and then disappear. When he came over to me, dude, he slithered over to me. And this giant comes out of the cave, and they're all frozen. And he starts running and firing at this giant. But the giant moves. He's got a spear in one hand, and he's running really fast. And spears Dan and holds him up like this. Somebody yells, shoot him in the face, shoot him in the face. They basically decapitate him. Got closer, got closer, got closer. When he got about 15 yards away from me, I raised that 12 gauge, and I blowed his head off. I feel something pulling at my leg, and I look over, and there are two small gray entities pulling at me. And they're literally, I'm getting pulled off the bed. I reach my hand into this bush, and I touch air. Couldn't breathe, and I couldn't move, because I know I'm seeing a monster. Yep. Welcome to the show, everybody. You're listening to The Confessionals. I am your host, Tony Merkel. Thank you for being here. If you've had an encounter or a story you'd like to share with me on the show, go ahead and shoot me an email. My email address is theconfessionals at theconfessionalspodcast.com. That's theconfessionals at theconfessionalspodcast.com. Or go to the website, theconfessionalspodcast.com. Hit the contact section and you can reach me that way as well. Either way works for me, just get a hold of me. And if you want more shows every week, we drop a bonus show on Thursdays for members only on the website. So if you want more of The Confessionals on a weekly basis, just go to the website, theconfessionalspodcast.com, hit the join button and become a member today. If you want emergency preparedness food, you want to make sure you and your family are good in case of an emergency in your area, go to preparewiththeconfessionals.com. That's preparewiththeconfessionals.com. And there you can get yourself emergency supplies, including food that lasts up to 25 years on the shelf. That's preparewiththeconfessionals.com. Now this week we have a great show coming on for you, but I want to remind you to go ahead and subscribe to the Confessionals YouTube channel. I'm uploading the archive there and I will be uploading future shows there. But the main reason why we're taking YouTube serious is because I'm launching a new show called Legion of Legends where I go out hunting for the legends that I heard about on this show for years. So make sure you don't miss an episode of Legion of Legends by subscribing and hitting the alarm bell on YouTube so you're alerted when I upload a video. And for those of you who love the deep underground military base talk, head on over to Hammer Lane Legends. That's the podcast I do with my dad where we talk to people who drive for a living and their experiences, their wild experiences from the road. We just dropped an episode with a guy who actually went into Raven Rock, the deep underground military base in Pennsylvania, and he shared what his experience was hauling something that he didn't know what it was across the country from Raven Rock where he was escorted. That was a great interview, and I know you guys are 
are going to enjoy it. All of you guys who love the deep underground military base talk, this is an episode you will dig it. So go over to Hammerlane Legends, hit subscribe, and listen to all the shows we've been putting out for over a year now. Now this week we have Darcy Weir and Gary King coming on to talk about crop circles. They just dropped a documentary called Crop Circle Realities, and they're here to talk all things crop circles. So let's get to it right now. Today we got some special guests on the show. We have Darcy Weir and Gary King. How are you fellas doing? Fantastic. How are you doing over there in your underground bunker there, Tony? <laughs> yeah, it is underground, right? Uh, yeah, it's doing well, doing well. I'm glad you guys are here. And uh, Darcy, you, you're a filmmaker. You've done lots of stuff. And I feel like you and I could probably do many interviews on many different topics over time and stuff because this is... I mean, you're a wealth of information. You've done a lot of work. And I was just skimming through some of the stuff that you've done in the past. And and one of these days, you and I will have to do a, a show where we talk about underground bunkers because it, it, this subject <laughs> fascinates me. Uh, but Yeah, for sure. But uh, today we're going to be talking about crop circles. But before we get into that stuff, if uh, you guys could just kind of let the audience know who you are and I'm, if they don't know already uh, where they can find your stuff. And we'll, we'll start with Darcy. Sure. Um, so I am a Canadian dude. Uh, I herald from Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Um, I started producing documentary films back in 2010. Um, I was interviewing Phil Schneider's late wife, uh, Cynthia Dreher, and Richard Doland and Richard Souter about underground bases and uh, Phil Schneider's involvement with those. Um, and that was the very first documentary I ever made. Since then, I, I've produced quite a few different documentaries, uh, two on the cryptid Sasquatch or Bigfoot. Um, and um, I've also made quite a few in the realm of ufology. So I've done a abduction film called Being Taken, um, where I interviewed Travis Walton, Stanton Friedman, Kathleen Martin, uh, and we, you know, covered the Betty, Betty, uh, and Barney Hill case, uh, all that kinds of stuff. Um, John Mack, um, moving on from there, I did, a, did a couple other documentaries with, uh, Jaime Maussan, uh, kind of a biopic on him called Maussan's UFO, uh, files covering his, journalistic career and how he got into covering ufos down in mexico um and uh his career has really blown up since he started covering ufos and he has his own show called terser millennia which is pretty popular it has i think two two million viewers on television every week down in mexico and across latin america um and yeah, I did a volcanic UFO mysteries documentary with him. Um, I did one recently on crop circles and, um, Jaime Malson, the very first crop circle that he walked through himself over in the UK in the Wiltshire area where these amazing, you know, agroglyphs 
have been showing up for hundreds of years, if not maybe thousands. Um, the very first one that Jaime Malasan walked into, he was being led by Gary King. And Gary King is here with us today. Gary King has been researching crop circles for over 20 years. Um, and he's actually walked into himself over 900 crop circles as they've appeared throughout the years uh, in the Wiltshire area. And uh, he's, he's an absolute fountain of knowledge on this uh, subject. Uh, I, I included him in the documentary Crop Circle Realities, which was released in March. And uh, it's an absolute pleasure to work with him on the research of this phenomenon and um, to help him, uh, you know, to have him help me build this story uh, and sort of shine a different perspective, my own perspective on the crop circle phenomenon uh, in this documentary. So, yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Gary, uh, anything else you'd like to add? Uh, I said most of it. I used to, I, I used to be a lawyer uh, 25 years ago, 1996. And in 97, I walked into my first crop circle and never left, as they say, figuratively. Um, since then, I've, I've, I've lectured around the world and um, been on quite a lot of uh, TV shows and uh, documentaries, including Crop Circle Realities, which Darcy's just produced. Um, I ran a web, I run a Facebook page called Against the Grain and a YouTube channel called Against the Grain, which I use to publish kind of geometric analysis or any sort of relevant information, like, for example, the latest a couple of days ago, the first crop circle appeared in Wiltshire. So I sort of published that and give news about that and stuff. So yeah, that's, that's me. So did you, did you leave practicing law to pursue this kind of stuff or did it happen gradually? No, I'd, I'd, I'd actually burnt out. So I was taking time off because I was stressed. My marriage was, was on kind of on the rocks and work had been killing me 10 years of doing that. So I, I, from the October 96, so take, I decided to take some time off work. And during that time, I was doing sort of yoga and meditation, Tai Chi. And then I met this kind of groovy teacher from America who was over doing Qigong workshops and sweat lodges and various things. And he was over to see the crop circles as well. So I asked to tag along. And and I think it was about May or something like that, 97, I went across to my first crop circle and that was it. I was off. And so I never, ever went back into the legal profession. And I was a Freemason. I'd been a Freemason for nine years as well. And so... Some of that knowledge was actually useful for the geometry and the geometric analysis turned out to be later, but I never went back to any of it. No, I completely changed my life. Wow. Now I work in Mexico City for Jaime Maussan. I produce TV shows. I've just written a one and a half hour documentary for the History Channel uh, in Spanish, uh, which is was released last week. It's going really, really well. I've just I wrote a 16 episode show for Gaia TV last year uh, on crop circles. So yeah. Let me ask you, was it something that when you made that jump, was it seamless where you're just like, I'm doing this and you weren't afraid or you're thinking to yourself like, what am I doing? Because I mean, back when you did that and stuff, I mean, I'm sure like now we see UFOs being talked about in mainstream, but back then it was like, what are you doing? (laughs) You can imagine, you can imagine, you know, I go down the pub with my friends and you know, they just couldn't believe that I'd left the legal profession for crop circles. You know, it's like, what are you crazy? You've lost your mind. And, you know, what's going on? And so, I, yeah, I've had all of that, all of that. My, you know, my relatives and, and uh, family, they all thought I was crazy. And then as time's gone on, 
some of the ones that I still in contact with, they're all sort of saying to me now, there's something in it, doesn't there? (laughs) Yes. Quite funny. (laughs) Yeah. And I went through similar things when I just started podcasting. I, I, I was a truck driver and, you know, when I start podcasting, they're like, what are you doing? That isn't that for yeah. children? You know, like, and what are you talking about? Like, it was just, no. you know, it was, it was mockery, mockery, but over time it changed and, you know, much more respect came my way the longer I did it. But, uh, so you guys did this documentary t- together called crop circle realities. And I, I gotta tell you when I was a kid, uh, let's just say back in 1996, I know 96 was a big year for crop circles and things like that. Uh, in 96, I was 11 years old. And I remember back in the nineties, the crop circles being talked about on, you know, these different TV shows and stuff. And it, it, it just kind of hit me as I started thinking about the crop circles how much I was in love with crop circles as a kid. And I don't know what happened throughout that process that here I am, I'm a podcaster. I talk about the strange, unusual, uh, paranormal type stuff. And I've never, and over, I'm coming up on like 340 some episodes. I mean, we've been doing this for years and I've never talked about crop circles. It, it just wow. hit me. I was just like, unbelievable. So I'm really excited about talking about this because uh, it, it's kind of renewing this this passion and this love of this, this mystery that I had as a kid that I just never really even thought to look into as an adult. So um, let, let's start off with, uh, Gary, it, it seems like a lot of these uh, these crop circles and stuff are are happening uh, and they're around the world, but it seems like there's a big focal point on the UK. This is yeah. a question I wanted to make sure I asked you. So I, I just wanted to kind of get it out there. Do you have any idea as to, or uh, theories as to why it seems like the UK has such a focal point for this kind of stuff? Because I don't hear a whole lot about it here in the United States. Sure. Uh, yeah, I have theories. Um, and, you know, anecdotally, I can back them up with data, but but it's not substantive. And it's just, you know, whenever we talk about who's making the crop circles or why they're making them or what the messages are, there's a certain amount of speculation. Uh, there, there's some things we can be very specific about, but, but there's other things where we say, oh, well, let's speculate. So you speculate, you create a theory, and then you look for evidence. So um, what, what, I, I, I went back to university in 2005 and I did a degree in language and communication, particularly focusing on semiotics and how we derive meaning from things. And one of the things that is heavily in any communication that we heavily rely on is context. And so we have the symbols and we can look at the symbols and say, okay, what does this symbol mean? And so, but the landscape, the area of which of Alton Barnes, the, the Vale of Pusey, the Salisbury Plain, as they call it, is, in my view, the context for the communication, which has been going on for 40 years. And so why do I say that? Number one, um, we have stone circles like Stonehenge, Avebury, Silbury Hill. We have mysteries related to our ancestors in the past that are located and heavily, heavily present in that area. Now, an analysis of those stone circles has shown us that these stone circles contain the same hidden or implicit geometry that you, is what you don't see, the pattern that underlies the circles, um, as we find inside the crop circles. So there seems to be a relationship between the mysteries of the old, why our ancestors built these stone circles, what they mean, and so on, and the modern mystery of the crop circles. The second element is this area of the Salisbury Plain is where farming first began in England. 
it's England was completely covered by trees, and if you were a squirrel, you could get from Land's End to John O'Groats without touching the floor. The first area that they cleared to transition from being hunter-gatherers to uh, to uh, agriculture to animal and, far- and plant husbandry was in this area. And so I think that we're being pointed towards a point in time when humanity transitioned. Uh, Dr. Vandana Shiva gave an interview recently, um, the Indian uh, PhD who does a lot of work with agriculture, and she said something which really triggered me. And she said, if you think about it, everything is food. Everything is food. The, you know, everything eats everything else. And, and we eat food. And it's how we commune. It's how we sit with our families. It's how we, it's how we co-participate in material reality and ingest it. It's through food. And, and so the crop circles are there in the bread of life. So I think there's an important message to that. And finally, um, it's through... Um, crops through growing crops that wealth was created independent wealth land ownership which led to the british empire which led us to take slaves you know around the country, around the world and grow crops and build um the wealth that the british empire and the influence that it had and the, and the influence it's had over the world a large part of our history over the last you know few thousand years where we are now can be tracked back to the activities of empire builders yeah the french took over if you look at the map where the french and the english took over parts of the planet you'll see that the english pretty much won the game and everybody speaks english as a second language so to me uh, the whole communication is like we're being reminded of things. We're being reminded of philosophical and religious symbols that we've created as species to try and understand the divine. We're being reminded of where we come from, from hunter-gatherers into, into growing crops and where that's led us and where we are now. And we're on the pinnacle of we need to transition to something else and you know, living our lives by economics, the way that the economics are run by the, at the moment isn't working. And we've got massive inequality, and obviously uh, issues with um, climate change. We've also got issues with pesticides and killing bees and farming. And if the bees go, we go and so on and so forth. So I believe we're being given a, a kind of a history lesson by the intelligence that's behind the crop circles to remind us of things that we've forgotten like geometry, uh, using it for philosophy and cosmology. And we're being reminded where we come from, where we are now. And like any good therapist, they'll lay your cards on the table to show you where you are, where you've come from, what led you to where you are now, so that you can, when you've got all that information, you can make informed decisions about changing and going forward in a different direction. I think I might add one thing to that. Um, Just that when you're having a a dialogue, you're having a uh, conversation with somebody, you know, um, Tony, you and I were putting together, you know, when we would do this podcast, we did it all through email. That is one medium, one uh, message trail that we can track for our conversation. And, you know, if you're going to start up a conversation with the species and you're going to start putting it into these crops with these massive, complex geometric agroglyphs uh, that are only seen from the sky. And they've been laid there for hundreds of years. We have, you know, records of them back in the 1600s. Um, 
you're building this continuity, this this conversation that you can depend on will show up every single season in the summer or spring when crops are coming up. And that's what we have. I mean, even this year, we have a new uh, glyph that showed up and Gary can talk about that a bit later. But last year, we had a coronavirus agroglyph that showed up and it, it seemed to have a lot of relevance towards how to fight the coronavirus, the weakness of the coronavirus. And Gary did an investigation of that. You know, and every year there's something that's happening in our history as a people that they are commenting on, that they are reflecting to us. Wow. And um, it seems to be messaging that they want to have continuity with. So they keep going to the, to the UK because that's where the conversation started. And it's just like humans. I mean, if you're going to have a conversation, you're not going to start it on email and then go to WhatsApp and then go to Facebook Messenger and then go to Signal. You know, you want to have one continuity stream of messaging so you can go back and look at this historically and you know, okay, this is what they said then, this is what they're saying now. And uh, that's what I, I sort of see when I look at the crop circles that have been showing up by majority in the Wiltshire area throughout the decades. Yeah. And you know, that that's kind of like the, you guys said it much more eloquently and, and more in depth than I was thinking, but yeah, I was thinking there, there seems like there's a tie between ancient empires, ancient, ancient cultures to where these things are popping up. And it, to me, it just, it says, well, it looks like the United States isn't the center of the universe after all. So, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, oh, true. So yeah, true. I, I, uh, I mean, I, I operate in the philosophy that, uh, yeah, I, I think that, you know, well, we're not going to get down, down that road. But uh, Dorsey, you said something that, that took me by surprise. There was a glyph last year that had something to do with the coronavirus. I, I did not know that. Mm-hmm. And it was really, really good. I did a whole show about it on Mexican TV here. It's on my YouTube channel. Um, I, most of the groundwork, footwork, was actually done by Professor jo- uh, Jerry Croth. Uh, he's from the States in California. He's a PhD psychologist. But when he saw the formation, he thought it looks like the coronavirus. And so he began contacting epidemiologists and virologists and stuff to find out more about it. And honestly, it's, it's, it's um, <laughs> you know, if, if they claim that people went out and made this, then they're people who had seriously, seriously advanced information on virology because there's a particular spike. The, the crop circle is like a splat. And there's this one spike protein. There's nine spike proteins on the outside of it. One of them has been enlarged, spike protein eight. We call it eight because it had eight tufts of crop in the end of the of the spike. And what we found out, or what Jerry found out, was that spike protein eight of the virus is actually the spike protein which gets our immune system into gear and helps us fight the virus. Um, and then in the center of the crop circle, there are these three circles which represent RNA, because that's what's in the center of the virus. And there are these three slightly larger circles which represent the ribosomal offshoots of that RNA, because RNA replicates and creates proteins, you know, as you know. Um, and then on the outside of that sort of inner circle, there's three envelope proteins which are depicted as well, which is also present in the virus. So, um, <laughs> It really seems uh, one of the things that I, I go by with crop circles to decide whether they're genuine or not for myself, mostly for the public, I prefer to say, let's just lay out all the photos of all the crop circles and decide which ones you think are man-made, which ones you think you don't know, and which ones you think are possibly very mysterious because of the way 
that they are or the way that they appeared under, then let's talk about those. If you go on to sort of like, you know, every time a crop circle appears, as a so-called expert, somebody comes to me and says, do you think it's genuine? And <laughs> that's really not... <laughs> You know, you don't get anywhere because, you know, you give an answer and then somebody says, oh, I don't think it is. And you have a little argument and then they throw it over their shoulder like kids at Christmas and you go on to the next one. But with this one, you know, if you look at it, the lay of the crop, one of the big indicators that people have been out in the fields tramping them down is damage. You can't lay down crop with boards and rope without smashing it. And when I see a crop circle like the coronavirus crop circle last year, and there's some wonderful footage of uh, the lay, it's not damaged. It's beautifully swirled like we've seen in so many others. And so it's an indication to me that um, this is a genuine formation. And then, so then you focus on what information it's giving. And when you look at that, it's just mind blowing because it's given us really specific information about the coronavirus. Yeah. You know, uh, one thing that when I was watching the documentary that uh, I feel, Gary, you, you laid out real beautifully was when you were showing the way the lays were happening and even like the walls of the, the crop circle, uh-huh. how they were waves almost like water. It, it really portrayed and depicted a type of beauty about these things that I never associated to them. Like I, I thought, you know, from the sky, it, it absolutely amazing and stuff. But when you get up close to these things, the, the intricacies to it uh, fascinated me. Uh, back to the, the coronavirus one. Let me ask you this. It, it seems like there's a certain predictable nature to these things. Uh, yeah. You know, it's going to happen during certain seasons, this, that, and the other. Uh, is there ever a crop circle that pops up that blows your mind? Because to me, hearing the COVID-19 crop circle, that blows my mind. Are you just like, ho-hum, yeah, we expect these things now? Well, so so they, they appear between April and sort of September because that's when the crops appear in England. After that, the winter comes and you don't get any crops. So that's why we don't have crop circles in the winter. Um, and the, the season usually starts with the yellow-flowered oilseed rape or canola, and then uh, the, uh, the barley will start to grow in around May, June, and then the wheat comes July, August, uh, and then you get maize, corn, and you'll get other crops like flax seeds with little purple flowers and um, soybeans, uh, runner beans. There's been crop circles in all of those. Um I've got lots of favorite. It's hard to say which favorite crop circle we've got because it's a bit like being asked, as my my former esteemed colleague, Professor Michael Glickman, used to say, it's a bit like asking which of your children you'd like to throw out of the lifeboat. <laughs> to your answer. Yes. It's very difficult to say which of your favorites. But I don't know if you, if you uh, have an image of this formation in your mind. In 2002, there was a crop circle um, at a place called Crooked Solely in the UK. And it was a circle. We only it was it was luckily photographed just before it was harvested, so nobody got to go inside it. But it was a circle, um, and inside that circle was a mitochondrial DNA, um, a spiraled DNA. Okay, and in the centre of that was a t- roughly 180, 200 foot circle of standing wheat with no centre. Now, now that's one of the big giveaways, okay, because. If you draw a circle, you have to put the point of the compass on the page to draw a circle. And similarly, if we're told that people go into fields and stand in them and make circles by somebody standing still and holding a rope while the other person walks around, then you would see where they stood in the center of the standing wheel. And if there isn't a center, you have to scratch your head and say, well, how did they draw a 200-foot perfect circle without making a center? But then when you look at the outside of the 
uh, formation, the main body of the formation, is made up of 700, the mitochondrial DNA, which incidentally only passes from the mother to the daughter. It's, it's, so, so theoretically, the mitochondrial DNA that's in every woman goes back all the way to the primordial Eve. Okay? So it's a very particular kind of DNA. So this, this design was made up, I'm going to give you some numbers now, which people hate, but they're very simple numbers. It was made up of 792 small squares, okay? And 504 squares had been flattened to make the design. So we've got two numbers, 792, 504, okay? Now, 792 actually relates to the diameter of planet Earth. It's 7,920 miles in diameter, Okay. And the combined radius of the Earth and the Moon is 5,040 English miles, 504. Wow. Okay. Now, 504, 5040 is 1 times 2 times 3 times 4 times 5 times 6 times 7. And 7,920, the diameter of the Earth, is 8 times 9 times 10 times 11. Okay. So are you, are you familiar with a system of – uh, so when the first languages were built, when the first alphabets were created, the Hebrew and the Greek alphabets, they had a system called gematria, which means that every letter in the alphabet has a corresponding number. Right. So you can add up the value of a word or add up the value of a sentence. Okay. So Jesus, for example, is 888. Uh, the raised Jesus is 8880. Okay. That, that's just the way it works with those alphabets. So when we convert these Numbers, 792 and 504 is 1296, which is 6 times 6 times 6 times 6. And when we convert that to the English alphabet, it spells the goddess of all creation. And so somebody somebody made this crop circle, right, with a mitochondrial DNA, which just happened to have 792 elements standing and 504 flattened, which happens to represent the mean sizes of the Earth and the Moon. And when you convert that, those numbers into the alphabet, you get the goddess of all creation, which goes back to the mitochondrial DNA because that DNA has been existing in every woman right from the beginning. Oh, that no, kind no. of that kind of stuff's deep, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, unbelievable. We're dealing with we're dealing with somebody that is not just Doug and Dave. You know, <laughs> Doug Doug Bauer and Dave Chorley were the original hoaxers to come forward in the in the nineties right after this massive run-up in popularity of these crop circles showing up. And uh, they claimed responsibility for making all the crop circles for the past 30 years before that. And there's been a lot of hoaxers since then that say, oh, yeah, I've done these too. Um, you know, Gary's dealt with many of this, and he's seen the ones that are made by humans, which are obviously destroyed terrain you know the uh the terrain's all ripped up if you're dealing with canola flowers the flowers are sheared off the the stems of the plant and the plant is crunched in half these are like celery stock type um uh plants you know they're pretty thick the stems it's not like all made in hay these these formations um and then you look at the ones that are made with such precision and, you know, almost divinity uh, in, in, in uh, look and form. And they are 
just so mathematically precise. They're not damaged. The, the crop is often still growing. And uh, to quote Gary, he's spoken in many interviews with me before, and I'm starting to pick up some of the stuff he's saying, you know, when you look at uh, the science of how a plant is reacting to sun to create photosynthesis, you know, they eat the sun, every, every uh, leaf of the plant. Um, in these crops where it doesn't seem to be crunched down and, and destroyed by a human, in the ones that are made, these amazing agroglyphs that are super complex and show signs of extreme intelligence in, in how they've been made, um, they are growing back up to the light halfway through the day, which in scientific terms is called phototropism. And um, the fact that that's happening means that the creators are so clever that they're not damaging the plants to the point that it's going to kill them. And the farmer is still going to be able to reap this stock. They're, they're still going to be able to harvest that stock and, and, you know, have a good season out of it, even though they've made this incredibly complex formation in the middle of the crop. And that is just something you know, people always say to me, they go, well, you know, if they're making crop circles, why aren't they just landing on the White House lawn already? You know, if they're aliens and it, that's something I've heard in the skeptic side of things, the debunker side of things to this, the argument of, you know, ufology is not real uh, for many, many years. And the answer is, come on, if you just looked at the history of visitations, you know, for the past 70 years and the cover-up that's been happening year over year, we've been shooting at their friggin' crafts. You know, we've been shooting them down. There's been stories of crash recoveries and bodies and, you know, a lot of aggression we've, uh, you know, demonstrated towards unwanted visitors to our planet. So crop circles is this loophole. Crop circles are these messages that are being sent from probably multiple stakeholders that are interested in our future, interested in our past, that want to see us survive, want to see where we're going, um, and not destroy ourselves. And they're peaceful in every way. These are peaceful messages and they're beautiful and they capture and captivate us. So they're just a really intricate and beautiful way of saying, hey guys, we're here. We see what you're doing. We're worried about you. And oh yeah, we're not going to destroy your crop. We're actually going to let it thrive still. So here's our message. I hope you're having a good year. There's, there's two things I'd like to add to that. Um, number one is respect for life. That's basically what you've just been saying, Darcy, is, is that they don't damage the crops. There's a respect for life. And that, that actually manifests in another way as well. If you go to a crop circle, let's say the crop circle is of a pentagon, uh, sorry, a pentagram, okay, a five-pointed star. If you draw a five-pointed star on a piece of paper, there will be no points. The, you know, the top point of the star will, 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 will intersect with the point of the arm of the star. Okay, there's no gap in the middle that you can walk through. If you if you draw one and you rub out the edges of the ends of the points, you'll just have these 
you won't have a pentagram. You'll have you'll have a pentagram that's, that's had its points rubbed out so that people can walk through them. But look at a crop circle again of a pentagram, and you'll see that it's been enlarged in every direction. It's like drawing a pentagram on a balloon and then blowing the balloon up so that it enlarges it to create gaps for people to walk through. Respect for life. They, they, they create – the designs aren't actually straightforward pentagrams. They're pentagrams that have been expanded to allow people to go in them. Wow. And the crazy thing, too, about that is that even though, uh, you know, basically Gary is saying that it looks like a perfect circle from above mm. because the creators are so precise. They are so exact with how they want this to be represented when you view it from above that it looks like a symmetrical circle. It looks perfect, right? But really, once he walks through it on the ground and he realizes that it's actually an elongated shape, it's actually, they've created it as an oval. And many, many times he's walked through these, they're actually made on hillsides. You know, they're made on an inclination. Throw that extra complexity at a human that's trying to do this, you know, that's trying to stamp out these flowers without destroying them. Let's say it's a canola, uh, field because they have yellow flowers you know they're trying to like stamp this out without destroying the plant without um you know making it look completely sloppy and it's also on the side of a hill but it looks perfectly symmetrical from above and you know gary has looked at examples where humans have made very symmetrical very perfect looking um beer commercial labels in a uh a crop of wheat which is the easiest medium medium to work with right wheat is just a thin stalk you can crush it down with boards if you really want but i mean gary has investigated the most perfect human uh glyph that's ever been made and it was a asahi beer label okay not too important a message but they spent thousands and thousands how much did it like it was, what did it, was it, 40, it was 40 engineers they hired 40 engineers so there were surveyors there were land workers they used very sophisticated only recently invented i think it's been around 10 years uh technology called mazescape it was invented in the uk so basically you can upload a plan or a design to a satellite and then it will project that on a piece of land and you can walk around with a pole and, and it will vibrate to tell you where you got a hack in your your markers um and it took these 40 guys seven days to make this crop circle it was a million dollar campaign and yet you know I, i've spent 25 years watching million dollar campaigns appear five one night three the next two two days after that you know so there's million dollar campaigns going on all the time by a bunch of guys who claim they make them but never show you when they do show you they look shit and they take ages and they always do it in the day so you know. Yeah, most of them, even the one that Gary experienced himself, which was like a paranormal uh, experience, you know, in the cover of night, it appeared between three o'clock in the morning and four o'clock when the sun started coming up. And this was a over 1000 feet uh, wide, you know, glyph. And how many like was, 900, uh, so was, 900? It was, it was 150 individual circles that appeared in under 300 minutes. 
so it's five hours of darkness in the summertime. Um, so we got onto the top of a hill. There was cameras recording from eleven o'clock, uh, which showed that there was no crop circle in in the fort in the field before it went dark. Then it went dark, and we sat there, and you know the, the video cameras were recording all the time. And then about twenty past three, there was a flash of light. That's the only kind of anomalous thing that happened in the evening. Um, and then we got up about 20 minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes after that, looked through the lens of this light-sensitive camera, and we could see this huge formation laid out in the field in the darkness before us. We still couldn't see it with our eyes. Um, and so if you, if you know, simple maths, right? If you've got 150 individual circles in under 300 minutes, let's round it up and say that means one circle every two minutes. Well, I challenge anybody in the world to go out and make that in front of me in the dark, you know, one circle every two minutes. Good luck, guys. Anybody who says that they make them, just go make one. Even, in fact, the farmer of that field, I'm very good friends with them. She offered the uh, so-called circle makers two grand to buy, to buy the piece of land next door. She said, I'll put the two grand up. Me and my husband who own the land, she said, I'll put the money up. You make the crop circle next to it. Do it, do it again. And they just refused, of course. Yeah. Yeah, but then they also claim, you know, to the, to the media, and that's the sort of demon in this whole thing, the BBC... Uh, you know, the guardian and it's despicable. I mean, Gary's experienced it year over year, time after time. Um, and that's why you're so surprised when you hear about this, uh, Tony, like you're like, there was a COVID-19 cliff. Yeah. Like every year, non fail, there have always been crop circles that have shown up and the media constantly portrays this story like in 2019 um or was it sorry 2020 when the COVID-19 glyph showed up there was no representation of that in the BBC or the Guardian any of the the British media but they published a major story on the BBC which I featured in the documentary uh where they were uh saying goodbye to Doug and Dave officially because Doug Bauer, the last of the two that created all crop circles in the nineties and before that had recently passed. And that's what they dedicated to, to uh, portraying in mainstream media during that year, instead of the crop circles that have shown up, which are still incredible. Yeah. So, I mean, it's clear that they weren't making all of them. And everybody's just quiet about that now. Nobody, nobody wants to talk about the fact that they're still popping up. Well, there's a handful of guys that still go out and claim they make them. There's the, the I suppose the most, le- the uh, the notorious candidate at the moment is a man who calls himself Denny Hine. Um, he says he designs and makes all the crop circles. Um, there was before that. There's he's still active on the scene as a man called Matthew Williams, who said he was a part of a team called Team Satan, who went out and made the crop circles. Um, but you know, it's it's just it's just dem- demonstrable proof. You know, I've said many times, oh, all I want is ordinary evidence to to prove your extraordinary claims. You know, you you make extraordinary claims saying that you make all these geometric glyphs, you never ever make a mistake. Uh, can you prove it to us, please? And they won't. They say they they do it just to trick people like me. Well, there's only me and a couple of others left on the scene now. You know, the media have treated it so badly that you no. Know, all that effort just to fool a couple of people, it, it, it doesn't make sense that they, that they continue to make these claims and that they won't demonstrably prove what they claim they can do, which is to make a crop circle 
in the, in, in the four or five hours of darkness without using any lights and not making a mistake. You know, if I asked you now to get a piece of paper and get your compass and straight edge and pencil out and draw a crop circle, but you mustn't use a rubber, okay? And then I say to you, right, now you've managed to do that once without making a, you know, using a rubber and, and making a mistake. Let's now put that piece of paper on a very uneven surface so that you have to draw it as ovals to make it look like it's perfect from above. And I'm going to turn the lights out. Good luck. Don't make a mistake. That's just on a piece of paper in, in an office. To go out and do one that's a 1,000 feet, 300-odd meters long without making a mistake in the dark, just beggar's belief, doesn't it? Yeah, Gary, you had me at uh, don't use a rubber. I hate those things. Man. <laughs> <laughs> They're terrible. Yes. <laughs> <clears throat> but that's it, isn't it? You know, uh, any building pro- – I, I used to love – my dear departed colleague, Professor Michael Glickman, was uh, a professor of architecture at the University of Southern California. He wrote six books on the crop circles, and um, I worked very closely with him for more than 10 years. And um, one of the, I liked working with him because he was grounded, and, and he attracted me early on as a researcher um, because he said, um, no building project ever, ever, ever comes in on time. They always are late. And they are always over budget, but not with the crop circles. They go in there in the middle of darkness, they whip them out and they get out, never make a mistake, and they never, ever run over time. They never run over budget. What is their budget? You know, if, if teams of people come over from Europe, that means they have to have somewhere to stay. Let's say there's 10 of them. The, the latest rumor is, is that there are 10 groups of 10 people consisting of around 10 people in each group. That's 100 people. They have to come over in April to the UK. They have to find accommodation. They have to plan and design the crop circles. They have to go out and execute them, go back to their bed and breakfasts with muddy boots and muddy shoes without being caught. It just, once you start to work out the logistics of it, where do they get their funding? Who pays for them to stay in these hotels all year round for no reward and no copyright claims on the designs? The more you actually look into the, the logistics of it, just the grounded stuff, more ridiculous it gets yeah no absolutely uh let me ask you this rewind here a second when when you when you had your experience where they kind of just seemingly happened to appear in such a short period of time but you said that you saw a a flash of light that flash of light was it like over the field or was it from the sky was it shooting down what kind of what are we talking about here it was it was like a a, like a flash of lightning um we, we, we were sitting on the ground. We were sitting on top of a hill that overlooked um, the East Field, which is a famous field for crop circles over the years. And we were chatting, and then all of a sudden, there was just this flash of light where we saw the grass momentarily. But because we had cameras running, we had two different separate cameras running to independent videos, uh, recorders, both of them flashed. So we were able to time the flash, which was four milliseconds. So four millionths of a second, we got this flash. That was the only flash of the evening. So if it was lightning, then it was just one. There wasn't any rain. There wasn't any storm. It was cloudy, but wasn't storm clouds. So, you know, I can anecdotally, I personally feel that it was connected to the creation of the crop circle, but I can't prove it. Do you feel that there is, because I know it, your experience has been coming to known as 777. That's yeah. when it happened. Uh, do you think that there is any significance to the the date being 777? Oh, gotcha. <laughs> well, it's all about numbers, isn't it? Um, 
geometry, a lot of people, when you look into where well, this is one of the fascinating things, once you get over the hoop, uh, over the hump, sorry, of, of the question of man-made, you then start to look at the much more interesting subject, which is what is the meaning. And this is where I feel personally over the last 25 years, I'm justified in changing my life because it has enriched my life so much to understand that the Greeks were studying geometry as a form of philosophy and cosmology. It wasn't just about, you know, working out the square, the areas that you're going to lay a carpet or build a building. It was, it was very, it's very, very deep. And so geometry is, they used to have a system of education in Greece called the seven liberal arts. And four of those, the quadrivium, as it's known, is number, Geometry, which was seen as number in space, so a triangle is three, a square is four in space. Music, which is number in time, uh, and and the the ratios of the different strings. For example, if you lift up the lid of a piano, you'll see all these strings. But basically, the reason that we hear the notation, the thirteen notes of the chromatic scale, is based on the ratios between those strings. So if you've got one string that's one. Like, for example, the top string of a guitar is an E. If you pluck that whole string, you'll hear an E. If you put your finger at the halfway point and divide that string by two to one and pluck it again, you'll hear another E, but it will be a pitch higher. It will go up the octave. So there is a relationship between a whole number and how we perceive music. And the fourth of the liberal arts was astronomy, which is number in space and time. And so the Greeks went about a system of exploration into material reality, using geometry as a tool to find the underlying pattern that exists, the invisible pattern that exists behind material reality that allows us to see a five-fold flower or, you know, uh, the five, eight, and 13 um, little notches on a pineapple. Uh, it's, these numbers are everywhere. And so... Because I'd learned that, I really, I just thought, well, you know, when you go to, when you go to, you know, I've never been to Las Vegas, but when you go to Las Vegas, if you pull a, pull a machine, the, the, the one-armed bandits, we call them the fruit machine, you know, 777 is the winner, right? So I thought, okay, let's roll the dice, right? Let's pull the lever and see what happens. They, they love numbers. And, and I went there and I got, I got treated to a crop circle appearing in front of me. Unbelievable. So, uh, one, it was it was planned by you to go out on that day for a very specific reason. Uh, yeah. But you you did you have any sense as to this field is going to have something happen, or was it just no, like a it was shot right in the at the last moment? Um, so, uh, so my, so what happened was, oh god, is there a whole backstory that really fills in the magic of the day? But let's on the sick on the sixth, the day before midnight of the seventh, you know. I'd gone, usually gone to the Crop Circle Cafe and, and, I, and I hung out with people and I met the, the guy that we subsequently met, who was the cameraman, that day. I'd never seen him before, never heard of him. And we, we had a conversation and interaction. And then there was a rumour that there was a Crop Circle in Eastfield in the afternoon. Now, I'd coincidentally woke up at sunrise that day on the 6th and I'd got into my car and driven around the local hotspots to see if there'd been a new Crop Circle. And I could personally testify that there wasn't one in Eastfield because I'd been there that morning. So when somebody came and reported and said there's a new formation in Eastfield, I said, well, if that's happened, that's happened in the daytime because it wasn't there at sunrise. So we jumped in the car and drove over there. And what it turned out to be was wind damage. New visitors to crop circles don't realize that 
the wind in certain parts of the field can just lay down crop and make it. And because it grows back to the sun, they think it's a crop circle, even though it's just a splodge. And when I got inside that for uh, sort of wind damage, and I explained to these Dutch visitors that this wasn't a crop circle, it was it was wind damage. Um, I was looking at Knapp Hill, which overlooks these fields. And I said to everybody there at that moment, I'm going there tonight to do a night watch. And tomorrow there'll be a crop circle. Just joking. (laughs) (laughs) And then my girlfriend, she was, I I lived in Cardiff at that time. I was at university in Cardiff. My girlfriend was in Cardiff. She called me about 9.30 in the evening and said, has there been a new crop circle? And I said, no, not that I know of. Why do you ask? And so she's in the city in Cardiff. She said, well, I just went to the shops and there was wheat growing out of the gaps between the paving stones in the street. But it's no farms. It's Cardiff, right? It's a city. So she said she saw that as a sign and said, I'm coming. And she said, are you going to do the night watch tonight? And I said, yeah. And she got in the car and drove to Wiltshire. I got there about 11.30. We had a cup of tea and a chat. And then we went up the field, up the hill, met up with the guy, and then we had the magical evening. So we were all kind of drawn to, you know, the, the guy who was the cameraman had a story as well. He wasn't sure where to go. And he was moving around different places in the day, thinking, where should I set up my cameras tonight? Uh, and he, when he got to Eastfield, his dog went crazy. And he said, that was the thing for me because the dog reacted so strangely. He said, I decided to stay here. So all three of us were kind of brought together under these really strange circumstances. That do you, Looking back at that event, do you feel like that event would have happened no matter where you were? Because it was more circled around the people who were supposed to experience it. Do you ever feel like you, you were almost like chosen to have some of these experiences and be in the direction you're going with your life? You do feel chosen. It did feel like somebody was kind of moving us around like chess pieces on a board that day. There's, a, there's a, certainly a feeling of that with the benefit of hindsight. Um, I've never actually been asked if I thought it would happen if we went somewhere else and so on. I honestly don't know. I'm I think sure. there's there's a interesting extra aspect to this story. And um, in the documentary that Gary worked on with me, um, we feature a incredible sort of UFO video that um, manifested a crop circle. This is called the uh, Oliver's Castle crop circle of 1996. Now, what you see in that video is a group of orbs flying over top of this crop again at like four o'clock in the morning, you know, right as sun is just peeking over the horizon it's still pretty dark but you see these orbs and this formation gets laid down right right in the middle of this uh, same similar location what happens in this phenomenon is in oliver's castle in east field in you know all these different prominent areas we commonly get crop circles manifesting in the same locations year over year and continuity of messaging, right? I would say, but these orbs fly over and it was recorded by an Australian man back in the 1990s. Uh, His name is Jonathan Wiley. This is something that's very uh, popular around the world. People will travel from all around the world, the US, the UK, Mexico, wherever, and they'll want to experience these crop circles as they show up 
during the season. Um, and Jonathan Wiley was planning to just record crop circles that morning or that day or that week, that month that he was out there in 1996. And he captured these orbs when he was opening up his tent on the, the hill overlooking the field down below. Uh, it's not until later he realized you know, it's hard to see this little mini DV camera screen. You remember those back in the day, Tony? Yeah. Back in the yeah. day. Like it's not the best technology, but he was dealing with what he had. Once they got it onto a TV at a pub of, of all places where many crop circle researchers congregate, they realized on this big screen, whoa, you captured these orbs creating a crop circle glyph. And that became sensational. It blew up around the world. Many debunkers came in debunking it, saying that's absolutely an animation. Uh, and Gary can attest to this story uh, even more so than I can, how he definitely thinks you know the debunkers were doing their job and uh, trying to ignore all the facts. But what's very interesting about the 777 event uh, that he experienced with this a uh, young lady and uh, another friend who was a researcher and and, and um, Gary has spoken about in the past this what's his name again Gary uh, his name's Wynn Keach he's actually a UFO researcher he wasn't a crop circle researcher he was more of a UFO guy Winston Keach his name was yeah and he's the guy that invented chip and pin, you know, when you put your credit card in and you punch your four numbers. Really? He, inve- he invented that. Wow. Yeah. Brilliant guy. <laughs> Perfect. Brilliant guy. Thank yeah. you. And so the interesting thing about this individual is that he was going around the crops for over 10 years at this point, you know, at this point in, in 2007, when they experienced this crop circle appear after a flash of light. He had been trying to chase a view of orbs that were flying over the crops because he had seen 10 years previous to this, but didn't have a camera, wasn't ready. You know, he wanted to capture on camera orbs. And that's the thing. People have constantly seen orbs floating over these crops where sometimes these formations have manifested. And so, um, that's another sort of slice to this. We we have men with ropes and boards that are crunching down and making non-sophisticated formations. And then you have some apparent sort of UFO technology that is present whenever many of these formations have shown up. Um, and that that means we have an extra sort of intelligence that's operating a technology that we do not have the possibility of of manifesting ourselves we don't know uh where it's from why it's there but we know that crop circles are showing up and that there's been many orb sightings and at the starting of the documentary that uh, i produced recently we go back to the 1600s with this story of the devil shall mow which uh is the earliest sort of tale of a crop circle um two farmers got into a fight and so on and, you know, apparently in the other pieces of this copper, uh, old copper tablets that were the first recorded newspaper article of a anomalous formation showing up in, in the fields of Wiltshire, um, 
people attested to seeing orbs floating over the crops. They called it balls of fire or uh, fiery, you know, and so they thought this was the work of the devil. This was so precise. This was this uh, beautiful formation that was laid down the next day when the sun came up, no humans to account for it and too precise to be made by uh, people of that day. They're, you know, going through with a scythe and trying to cut down this stuff. Right. So again, orbs, a thing. And, uh, and, and, uh, when, was trying to capture video of orbs, you know? So it's, it's just crazy to me that there's so many synchronicities in, in this phenomenon that people don't know about or the media, the mainstream media, as I was saying before, completely ignores or debunks um, and don't want to showcase the world. And that's why I think it's a real crime that people don't understand more about this phenomenon and they just write it off like, People, even ufology, you know, ufologists, I've I've heard them say, "Oh, crop circles are aren't they all just made by men?" Lots of them say that, yeah. Yeah, and that's the sad thing uh, that it's an underrepresented field in the overarching story of ufology that uh, you know I, I feel like just hasn't really seen its its light of day. Yeah, you know, I even with the whole orbs connection, I. And I, maybe I'm I'm in the minority here, but I often don't really. When I think about crop circles and how they're made, the idea of orbs doesn't even really cross my mind a whole lot until somebody presents the idea to me. Then I'm like, oh yeah, the the, the videos and stuff. And to the video you're talking about, I, I was told that that was a fake. You know, well, yeah, I, years was. ago, everybody was. <laughs> We've analyzed it though. We sent it to different laboratories and had it analyzed, you know, in America and in the UK. Um. And, you know, it's like a lot of things, isn't it? When you, when you, people don't want to look at the details after the event, you know, it's just like buy into a story and then that's the story. And, and um, they stick on that side of the argument. And then when you come along and you present, that's why I used to like law because you can lay out the facts and you've got to lay them out and they've got to be very eloquently put in simple way so that a jury of 12, 12 people can examine the evidence, you know? Um, and, and, and it's the same with this. You know, the analysis is very clear. There's over 400 frames in the in the video that you can see on YouTube, and it's handheld 1996 analog technology on a tape. And so this guy's hand holding it, and he's moving the camera up and down. So the horizon is constantly shifting the whole time. Um, but the orbs stay exactly the same height over the crop as they fly around. Now. For him to have animated that, he would need to have jumped forward at least 10 years to get sufficient computer technology that could do it with it in a convincing way. It would be easier now, but then no. Um, And when we consulted in 2004, we consulted some Disney animators and said, okay, can you recreate this for us? Can you fake this for us? You get some balls to fly over the field and, and, uh, and, you know, there's a crop circle there. So that they and they said, "Wow, it take a couple of weeks." And to be honest, any decent camera analyst would be able to look at the footage afterwards and find the artifacts and find that we faked it and so on and so forth. But we can't see any artifacts or anything in this original footage. So it's just again, it's like a legal process. You, if you don't know something, you call an expert. When you speak to an expert, the expert says this is possible, this isn't possible. 
Do you think that uh, when you guys were talking about that in the documentary, uh, you guys hit on the fact that what we see on TV is a very short clip from what the original yeah, it was 15 footage. minutes long, the original video. So it was 15 minutes long and it supposedly just disappeared. Do you think there's like a cover up to this whole thing? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. The guy, the guy that took the video footage, this young, poor young lad, 19 years of age, flown from Australia, no experience in any of this sort of stuff, suddenly got thrown into the whole political limelight of the crop circles because he come up with the evidence that showed that something's going on. So the man that took the footage off of him is a guy called Peter Sorensen, who's, we always used to call him a CIA agent because he, uh, he was just this American guy that turned up in Wiltshire every year from about April till and stayed the whole season, had his own light aircraft, um, and, you know, and had the money to stay there the whole season and sit in the pub, the barge where everybody used to meet, giving out information, right? Uh, and a lot of his information was shit. <laughs> And, and and he said to this poor John Whaley, oh, I'll take the video footage off you. I'll take care of that. I'll edit it for you. And then claims to have lost it all but the 15 seconds. Now he's an alcoholic drunk who's a waste of, you know, he's, he's a pathetic example of a human being now, um, who still claims that he goes out and makes the crop circles. And yet, you know, film crews turn up and take him out and he can't even get his leg up into the van. He's pathetic. And so... You know, he's just one of these characters that's been around for years and years and years who's full of shit. <laughs> and he took the video. Yeah. Well, I, and that's the kind of sense that I got and stuff when I was watching the documentary. And uh, it, it kind of, to me, if somebody wants to believe that there is a certain level of cover up to this stuff, it kind of lends to, lends to the credibility of these things. And with that, I wanted to make sure I asked you before we, we end this conversation, guys. Uh, have we ever tried communicating back through our own crop circles being made? That's a common question. So um, a really good researcher called Andy Thomas, you'll see he's done vice uh, stuff for vice and stuff on crop circles. He's written several books and runs a conference every year in Glastonbury. He got a team of people together to do meditations and visualize crop circles. Um, and they appeared the crop circle designs that they drew independently and then went to a place and chilled out and done their meditation. The next day there's a crop wow. circle that's of the design. So <clears throat> um, people who've tried to think about making a crop circle as a form of communication to send a message back, that's never worked, right? Because then you're, you're lumped in with a whole man-made issue. But those that have tried to communicate through consciousness, there are a number of examples where there's been some very eerie synchronicities that have happened that's incredible. Yeah, to, to add to that too like um the devil shall mow is is a conscious uh story it's a story of somebody's consciousness affecting a manifestation the next day basically these farmers get into a fight the poor farmer says i'll do the job i just want to be paid more money the older farmer you know who's can't raise his leg anymore like uh Sorensen is basically tired he can't mow his own crop and he doesn't want to pay the younger farmer because they had a disrespectful conversation earlier so he says the devil shall mow and lo and behold the next day the crop has this formation perfect circles laid out and it's been mowed uh so it's almost like this manifestation this this conversation this that happened obviously the older farmer still wants the crops to be mowed because he needs to provide 
uh, and it, it happens. So it's just crazy, I think. There, there is one thing I'd like to say about that as well. Um, so so some of the early crop circles were, were five circles. They were like, we call them quintuplets. It's like five spots on a dice. And they've been appearing in different forms with some with concentric circles around them, some with bigger satellites, you know, variations on the same theme for 25 years. And then in 1998, again, my esteemed colleague, Michael Glickman, looked at this diagram and thought, and there was a, the, the mother circle, the underlying circle, the satellite, the four, the four, we used to call them four daughter circles and the mother circle that was in the middle, right? Well, that mother circle was enlarged so that it infringed on the territory of the daughter circles. And Michael had the inspiration to join up the centers of those four satellite daughter circles with straight lines making a square, and then measured that square, um, the perimeter of it, in accord- and compared it to the circumference of this underlying mother circle and found that it, squared, that it performed a geometric feat known as squaring the circle, which is, goes back in 2,500 years. If your listeners just want to look it up, they'll see. It provided a solution that was accurate to the thickness of the pencil line, which has never been done in history before. So another researcher called Alan Brown decided to look back over the 25-year history of all these quintuplets and found that we had uh, they'd given us 100 new methods to back-engineer squared circles more accurately than has ever been done by Plato, Pythagoras, or any of the academics that have ever tried it. Once we'd got it, once we got it, and we'd been, we'd been given the same lesson every year for 25 years and no one had got it, when we got it, the lesson moved up a notch. Wow. So we got challenged more. So it's like the teacher was patiently putting this thing in front of us going, do you get it yet? Do you get it yet? Do you get it yet? And when we got it, the next year, new lesson, boys. It evolves. It, it evolves. evolves. With yeah. us. With us. That's incredible. This whole thing is incredible. From the very beginning when we're talking about the, uh, the these crap circles, you know, pertaining to current events, to this, uh, the, even this... So the the consciousness, I mean, I've talked to people, and I know you guys have heard of this, where people say they can summon UFOs through consciousness. And it, it's just like, there there's a correlation between the crop circles, consciousness, UFOs, summoning. It's it's absolutely fascinating to me. Oh, it happens. I, I've got a very, very good friend called Antonio Orsi in, uh, in Italy, in Milan. I've been, to, I've been to Milan with him. We featured him on a TV show here. The guy summons up UFOs. It's unreal. Whenever he goes, they're there. <laughs> so let me ask you I started doing something with my show I'm, I'm, I'm in June I'm going to do this for the first time where we're calling it a tour and I'm taking a, a group of people to uh, this time it's gonna be a haunted location and uh, we're going to spend the night there in a mansion totally alone and uh, we thought about doing something overseas what are the chances that if I organized a trip to go overseas to see tr- crop circles that we would actually have the opportunity to see them because I don't know, like when they, when they show up, do farmers ju- at, at yeah, some point the take challenge. them all down or that's the challenge. I mean, I've done, I, from 2008 until two years ago, I'd done tours. Um, and to be honest, it's much better. I prefer tours that are no more than four people because when you turn up, I've done bus loads. I, I did a tour one year where there were two coach loads of, of participants, 104 people. I got hired to be the guide for them by someone else who'd organized the tour. And it was a nightmare because 
you've got little country lanes, right? <laughs> and then you've got a farmer who's out there doing his work, and these two coach loads of Americans and Canadians are <laughs> taking Japanese pictures, people, turn <laughs> marching through their fields, you know. Um, and so one of the things you can't guarantee, what you need to do if you take a, a group is that you need to be able to have permission from the farmer to enter the formation. Otherwise, you're going to get trouble uh, nine times out of ten. And you can't predict that. It's not Disneyland, right? There's no, you know, the, the ride moves around every year. You don't know when it's going to come and when it's going to appear. So you can't offer guarantees to your participants. Although if you come in July, August, there's, I've never done a tour in all those years where I haven't been able to take people to crop circles. Wow. That's incredible. So, you know, as long as you forewarn people and say, look, we don't know, right? It's a mystery. It's like going to a haunted house. We don't know if the ghosts are going to show up, right? But they might. Right. It's a bit like, it's a bit like that. That's but to incredible. your point, Tony, um, they do cut them down. Like many, we've been asked this before. Yeah. And so some some uh, farmers just don't even want people on their property. They want to go about their, their yearly business and they just don't want the disturbance. They actually consider it vandalism, so on and so forth, because maybe they're not on board with that. Some of these are actually non-man-made. Uh, and as soon as they see them, they're out there with the tractor. They're getting rid of these as quick as they can. And um, uh, that's that's a sad thing because every year there's probably, you know, uh, Gary will say, you know, in one night, maybe six different formations will show up in all these different famous fields in the countryside of the UK. Uh, and maybe if that happens in 2021, you know, we hear about one because the farmers allowed uh, the public to know about it and so on and so forth. But there's definitely many other crop formations that are just mowed down. We'll never see them. We'll never know about them. They've been erased. So has anybody ever let a crop circle stand for many seasons to see how it ages? You can't. No, the crop, the crop, the, when the winter comes. Okay. But what we do get is ghosts. What? Really? Yeah. Uh, oh, very famous ones. I've got some fantastic pictures. So, yeah, you'll see a crop circle, for example, that will appear, um, you know, uh, during the season. And then the wheat is harvested and the grounds, you know, goes back to earth and you get the winter come on. And then I fly over in February and the landscape is covered in snow, except where the crop circle was. You can still see the perfect design because the, the snow's melted when it landed where the crop circle was, right? I've wow. got pictures. Um, and you'll have what we call traditional phantasm uh, uh, ghosts where you, um, so for example, I've got a beautiful picture where you can see a wheat uh, double tetrahedron crop circle, very large underneath clay hill, a very famous place in, the, in Wiltshire. And then the following year I went back in April when the canola had grown because they rotate the crop and the canola grew up all around and left the design exactly where it was from the year before. Perfectly. Yeah. And Perfect. it's it's 2017, and then the following year in 2018, and we show that in the documentary. And it's like, if this is just guys with with uh, you know wood boards and some ropes, first of all, the complexity of that geometric shape—it's a 3D cube surrounded by objects. You know, it's 3D, and no one's come forward to say I created that, and you know that's my intellectual property. Uh, yet it shows up the next year in this phantom, this sort of ghost image in a new crop. 
So well, one of the, one of the ways that they get away with saying claiming it, Darcy, is that they say if they claim it, then then they're basically admitting criminal damage. There so you go. So that's how they get away with it, right? They go, oh, so I'm a spokesperson for the crop circle makers, and they've authorised me to tell you that they made it, but I, I didn't. Make it. <laughs> that's how they get away with that. Yeah, yeah. I'm not. No one wants. I'm not buying it. I mean, there's. <laughs> Of all the crop circles that have popped up, to only have two guys say, "Oh yeah, we're the ones that make them and stuff." I mean, listen, there, there's there's a, a point in time human nature takes over and ego takes over, and you're like, "I don't care. I want credit. I want the credit." You Absolutely. know, <laughs> that's Absolutely. that's this why. That's why, like in America, I don't know how it is worldwide, but we have such a graffiti thing where graffiti's everywhere, but. These these artists have tags, and so yeah. you know what artist did what tag exactly. You would, exactly. They would tag it. Who you know we've got we're now with forty years right. So Doug and Dave were in their eighties when they died. So we're supposed to believe that they trained a secret cabal of crop circle makers, yes. right? Who, who none of them ever give out any information. None of them ever break ranks and say, yeah, yeah, I did that. Is the evidence? That's just not heard yeah. of. <laughs> no, no, it, I, it's it's a. It, you're you're literally trying to create reasons that are harder to believe than the actual reason they're there for. <laughs> exactly. So, so yeah. guys, listen, I appreciate your time. Uh, before we get out of here, tell everybody where they can find some information about you and stuff, just so that you know the audience has a good note to end on. All right. Yeah. Sure. Um, people can just check out my website, ocodejourneys.com. I've got my film posters up there, trailers. If you want to see what you're about to get into, and a description of each film. Um, and yeah, if you click on the poster, it'll take you through to a site to actually watch the film. Some of them are free, uh, and some of them, uh, well, this latest one is it's on cable satellite, all that stuff like dish TV and, uh, Verizon Fios, Cox cable, that type of thing. But it's also on like Google play, um, Apple TV, that type of thing. If you want to like stream it and, uh, and yeah, my, my name is just Darcy Weir on Facebook and Instagram. Pretty simple. If you guys want to reach out and uh, communicate, I'm, I'm an open open door. Uh, I run a website. Uh, sorry, a website. I run a Facebook page and a YouTube channel called Against the Grain. Uh, that's where I sort of regularly post information throughout the season of crop circles and, uh, and off season as well. Um, I work for Jaime Malsan in Tursa Millennium in Mexico City. I produce content for Mexican TV usually every week, little clips, two-minute, three-minute segments about crop circles. I also just recently wrote um, a one-and-a-half-hour script for History Channel Latin America, which was released last week. If anybody goes on YouTube and Googles Circulos de Coltivos, they will find it. It's, it's only available in Latin America, so you need a VPN if you're in the States or in the UK. There are subtitles available, and there's a lot of information in that that I haven't in my 25 years been able to actually lay before the public before. Um, so I'm, I'm really pleased that there's information that's in this documentary that a lot of people will watch and go, Oh shit, I never knew that. <laughs> so give that a look if you can. Well, Gary King, Darcy Weir, fellas, thanks for joining us here on the confessionals. You're welcome. Absolute pleasure, man. 
Well, that's the show, everybody. I really hope you enjoyed it. And if you did enjoy it, please share the show with your friends. I don't care where or how you share the show. Just share the show if you enjoyed it, because that's the best thing you can do to help this show grow. And remember, go to YouTube, hit subscribe on the Confessionals YouTube channel, because we're dropping that new show, Legion of Legends, here soon. I'm hoping in the next month or so, we're going to be dropping the first episode of Legion of Legends. And if you want that deep underground military base talk, head on over to Hammer Lane Legends. That's the podcast that me and my dad do. You can find it on any podcast playing app, Hammer Lane Legends. We just dropped an episode talking to a guy about his experiences driving truck for Raven Rock. That's the deep underground military base here in Pennsylvania. I know you guys are going to love it. So head on over there and give it a gander. And until next week, friends, stay safe, take care. And remember, the truth will set you free. But first, it'll piss you off. Bye. Just feeling probably like you. I'm just drifting, probably right beside you. All the abyss, control from afar. What did we miss? Now we're left with the scars. Love the lows, but hate the highs. Is the other side of the sun? With all this glow, it's hard to hide. We love the lows, but hate the highs. Everybody wanna preach a happy median. I see they dopamine fix come from media. Now your spirit getting booked on Expedia. So search a light long island medium. I should've been taught. Sleepwalk through life, but being woke is an answer. They should've been caught. They wanna slut it in fear by drowning us on the asphalt. We love the lows, but hate the highs. Is the other side of the sun. With all this glow, it's hard to hide. The lows, but hate the high is the other side of the sun. Though this dark is hard to find, is Masking from elites, got us attaching what is free. Now we're rationing our needs for our souls. Yeah. We're not fasting from belief The spell of sharpies right the streets Looting liabilities like it's gold Atomic number 79 Gucci, Prada, Jordan High Sniff that line, it's on the house Till your soul the ones that keep us locked for the felony time Or the ones that fund the dollars for the BLM sign Y'all ain't really doing what y'all supposed to Y'all just follow suit like the rest do We love the lows but hate the highs Is the other side of the sun With all this glow it's hard to hide bright, bright. We love the lows but hate the